0: This is a message from the Ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debretzen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrezen.com. Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to see you guys here. Uh, I hope you're feeling a little bit better here inside than outside. It's definitely more comfortable and more cozy so today we are continuing and actually we are finalizing the i am statements of jesus if i'm right uh we are going to focus today on a passage uh and actually we're going to focus on a bible verse so this is going to be just one sentence that jesus spoke in the in the gospel of john uh and well i'm gonna read it for you because before we go deeper into the actual uh teaching part i want to uh get some context so what happened before jesus said this so our words for today is going to be john 6 35 which says the following then jesus declared i am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty okay so that is what jesus is saying but before that a couple of things happen and uh we're gonna go through this but since you know that I'm a, I'm a visual learner and I'm a visual guy, I brought a little video which is going to say exactly the same thing that I'm going to say after that. But I think it's helpful for us to, uh, you know, to hear, to hear another, uh, another voice as well in this. So I want us to first look at this video, and after that we're going to go through things that happened before this sentence of Jesus. Okay, so that's the backdrop of this uh, sentence that is what happened before jesus spoke this uh this famous sentence so uh jesus crosses over the sea over to the other side of the sea of galilee and a massive crowd follows him now why are these guys going after him well because they saw him healing sick people and were amazed that's what we did in john 6 2. they were amazed by what jesus was doing And when jesus sees the crowd he asks philip where can we get enough bread to feed all these guys you know and jesus is kind of sort you know testing philip here but philip is not catching on now here comes andrew the brother of peter who says there's a kid here with five small loaves of bread and two fish seems like a tiny lunch if you ask me but jesus takes it gives thanks and miraculously feeds everyone and get this there are even leftovers. In John 6, 11, 13, we read that Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them all, so they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten now this was this was an amazing thing like I I can understand how people got you know all worked up and they were like oh this is crazy but this is where they actually get it twisted because after eating the crowd wants to make Jesus king even you know if that means by force now Jesus ducks out to avoid this situation and when they find him again he says you're looking for me not because of the amazing things I've done but because you got a free meal basically the people are going after him because they got fed and they are expecting maybe something something like that again and they want to make him king so with this incredible miracle and the crowds reaction Jesus sets the stage for the big reveal I am the bread of life He's getting ready to shift their focus from just filling their bellies to something much bigger and eternal okay so our We're going to have five points today, and I'll try to be, you know, quick, and I'll try to focus on only what is important. So let's start with the first point. Now, bread. Well, bread, you know, it's not just what you toast in the morning, because bread has layers of meaning, especially in the Bible. You know, in Jewish culture, bread is a big deal, and it's deeply symbolic. During Passover, uh, which was... Some of you, as you might know, the big, big celebration of the Jews where they remembered their exodus from Egypt when they were delivered by God. And during this uh, feast, during Passover, they eat unleavened bread, which they call matzah, and is a key uh, element of the meal. But this is not just because the bread is tasty, it symbolizes the haste in which the Israelites had to leave Egypt because they didn't even have the time to let the bread to rise. They had to do everything so quickly. They had to prepare the meal really fast and just eat it and just go. Now, if you talk about manna, if you talk about manna from heaven, uh, you also might remember the story of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert. God literally made bread rain from the sky, and that was quite amazing. But there's something even cooler. In Deuteronomy 8.3 it says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you see what is happening here? Bread is not just physical food, it's a a picture of spiritual nourishment too. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's pulling all these threads together and he's saying, I'm not just here to... Feel your bellies, guys. I'm here to feel your souls. And remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert and Satan came to him and tempted him and asked him to turn the, the, the stones into bread? Do you remember what Jesus responded? He said the same thing. He, he used Deuteronomy 8.3. In Matthew 4.4, 4, we read what Jesus says. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He is echoing the very same point. Now, if we fast forward to the Last Supper, Jesus takes the bread and says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here again, bread becomes more than food. It's not just food, it's a symbol. And in this example, it's a symbol of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Now, among other things, Jesus also tells the crowd that they should not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And he's urging us to look beyond the physical and to focus on the spiritual and seek the spiritual food that only he can provide. So, bread in the Bible? Well, it's not just a side dish. It's actually the central part of the story. It's a symbol of life, of God's provision, and ultimately of what Jesus offers us, a life that is truly satisfying. Next time you are mentioning on a bagel, on a sandwich, you might remember the bread of life, and the only one who can truly satisfy your deepest hungers. Now, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not just talking about filling people's bellies. I mean, we made that pretty clear already. He was talking about fulfilling the deepest needs of their souls. And I think Jesus makes it pretty clear. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, notice, he's not saying you'll never need a meal again. He's not saying that. He's talking about a different kind of hunger and thirst. He's saying that if you come to him, you have what you need for eternal life. And the interesting thing and the amazing thing about Jesus and this claim of his is that he actually can fulfill this promise because he has the authority to do it. I mean, what, we, what do we read in John 1? In John 1, chapter one, we read, "In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And that word that John is talking about became flesh." And that word is Jesus. He's not just a historical figure, he's the living word essential for our spiritual life. Like it says in John 1:4, "In him was life, and that life was the light." of mankind and jesus what jesus is not shy about promising eternal life either he says for my father's will is that everyone who looks at looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and i will raise them up at the last day so believing in jesus is not like rooting for your favorite sports team you know believing in jesus it's a life-changing eternity securing decision think about it You have a sandwich, right? But you don't have bread. Now, you might have all the ingredients. You might have, you know, lettuce, you might have turkey, cheese, whatever, all the other stuff. But without bread, it's not a sandwich, it's just a salad. And it's the same thing with Jesus. You know, you might have all the trappings of life, but without the bread of life, without Jesus, you're missing out on real, eternal life. Okay, so second point. Let's go, let's go to this. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's doing a whole lot more than throwing out a catchy slogan that you can put on your shirt or on your mug or, you know, or on your computer. He is, he's basically saying, I am God, and you need to recognize. And this is huge. So, so let's go a little bit deeper into this. So first off, the term I am, uh, some of you might know, is loaded with meaning. It's a heavy, heavy term. It's not just an introduction where jesus says that hey guys i'm jesus how's it going no it's a direct reference to god's name that was revealed to moses at the burning bush you know god tells moses i am who i am this is what you are to say to the israelites i am has sent me to you that is from the book of exodus and god is basically saying i am the self existing the eternal one And actually, I looked up the geeky theological term for this, but I forgot. So your homework is to look up this one because there's a geeky theology term for this one. But what you should know is that God is self-sufficient, self-existing. He doesn't need a source. He doesn't need anyone to sustain him because he is who he is. Now, when Jesus echoes this, I am, he's showing his divine credentials. He's telling everyone, I'm not just a guy who can do miracles. Because at that time, there were actually a lot of people who could do miracles. Probably not raising people from the dead. No, not everyone could do that. But they did some magic tricks. And people believed those people. Now, what Jesus is saying, that I'm not like those guys. I am actually the same God who spoke to Moses, who led the Israelites and who created the universe. I am that God. In John's Gospel, uh, this point is reinforced when John says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Now we also don't need to and don't have to pretend that everyone was cool with this. I mean, when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, in John 8, it's so controversial that people pick up stones to kill him. You know, they knew he was claiming to be God and that was a red line for them. (laughs) But Jesus, I mean, Jesus is not stepping back. He's making it clear. I am God, whether you like it or not. So the question arises why does this matter to you and I? Well, if Jesus is God, then we really have to take seriously what he offers and what he says. You know, he offers eternal life, he offers forgiveness, he offers a relationship with God, and it's all on the table because Jesus has the authority to offer it. The Apostle, Pro, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, For in Christ, All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That means Jesus has the power to fulfill his promises. And there is amazing news. Now, this claim to divinity also changes how we look at his life and death. Because when he's crucified, it's not just a man dying. It's God in human form reconciling the world to himself. That's why Jesus can say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So wrapping it up, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's telling us he is God and that believing in him, it's a game changer. It's not just a claim that impacts our Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons or Monday nights. It's a truth that transforms our everyday lives and our eternal destiny. All right, let's jump into the third key point. So Jesus is not saying he's—he's he's not just saying he's essential for life and claiming to be God, he's also extending an invitation. Because when he says come and believe, he's throwing out a lifeline to each of us. But let's be clear, this is not a casual invite to a potluck. It's a game-changing offer, you know, for your life and beyond. When Jesus says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, it's an open invite. But it's also pretty weighty. In Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So the word come is not just about moving your feet. It's not just about going to a place or somewhere. It's about redirecting your life. It's about leaving behind what does not satisfy you and coming to what does, Jesus. Now, the word believe is also not just about agreeing with facts. Even the demons believe that God exists. We heard that last week, right? They, they believe that God exists and they are actually trembling. But they are not saved. There's a huge difference. Believing in this context, what Jesus is saying here, means placing your trust in him. It's what John talks about when he says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God believing is about receiving jesus into your life not just nodding to a sermon like this one so what jesus offers here it's not just a buffet you know where you take what you like and leave what you don't like in luke 9 23 jesus says whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me that's not a pick and choose religion it's not that I like Psalm 91 today because you know hey God loves me and you know he gives me encouragement all those things that is true but what about those times when I do something shady and God does not really like that that thing does what about those those times you know Jesus is not offering that kind of religion he's asking for an all-in commitment believing in Jesus means you are trusting him with your life your future and your everything now I know that some people also might ask well then why should we come and believe I mean what's in it for us but I think Jesus lays it out pretty clearly you know we heard this also last week uh, when Hesse was talking about the story of Lazarus Jesus made it clear he said that I am the resurrection and the life. the one who believes in me will live even though they die so the reward is not just a better life for now, it's eternal life. It's knowing that you are safe and secure forever because you trusted in the one who holds eternity in his hands. And this invitation matters because it's the difference between living a life that is full and meaningful both now and forever, and just going through the motions. Like Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full. I mean, guys, it does not mean 50%, 60, 70, 99. 99. It means 100% to the full. So when Jesus says, come and believe, it's not just an invitation. It's the best offer you'll ever get. It's an offer for a life that's richer, deeper and eternal. It's a call to move from just existing to truly living. And then, my friends, that's an invitation worth accepting. All right, let's go to the fourth big point. When Jesus says you won't hunger or thirst if you come to him and believe, he's not saying you'll never have to hit up a grocery store again. No, he's, he's talking about a different kind of hunger and thirst, one that is way deeper. First off, let's be clear. Jesus is not talking about never feeling physically hungry or thirsty again. That's not the deal. In verse 35, where he says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, he's not handing out eternal meal tickets. He's offering something way more profound. This is about spiritual hunger and thirst. Now, if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something really interesting. He says that, you know, those are the blessed people who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied eventually now this this uh, this hunger this craving is not just you know craving for a burger or craving for a pizza it's about craving a right relationship with God and you know I believe that we all have a sort of spiritual stomach you know a deep-down hunger for meaning purpose and righteousness and let's be honest we often try to fill that void with stuff that does not satisfy either money success relationship sex you name it but Jesus is saying hey I'm the only one who can really feel that emptiness inside of you there's a passage in Isaiah which which I really really like I mean it just it just talks it just speaks so much about the heart of God and it's so close to what Jesus is saying in Isaiah 51 the first two verses uh, God says come everyone who thirsts come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Now this is a big truth, because if we consider what Jesus is saying, and if we consider what God is saying here, then we see that God has been offering this true satisfaction for a long time, but now finally, Jesus is making it super clear. He is the real deal. He is the one who will truly satisfy you. Jesus, he really offers to satisfy your deepest non- needs and longings. In John 7, 37, 38, he says, uh, Let anyone who is thirsty come, and come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And this is the life-changing promise of a lived relationship with Jesus. So when Jesus talks about hungering and thirsting, he's offering to satisfy the deepest, most fundamental cravings of our souls. And that's not just the life-changing, it's eternity-changing. It's the ultimate satisfaction guarantee, not just for our time on Earth, but forever. And that, guys, that is worth getting excited about now we are slowly getting to our last point the fifth point and uh this is where really the heart of the matter is the divine transaction now this ties back to everything we we have talked about being essential for life a claim to deity an invitation to come and believe and satisfying our hunger and thirst for righteousness here is the deal we cannot make ourselves righteous we just can not that's pretty clear from the bible but the good news is that Jesus can, and that's why he came. So, first off, we've all got this built-in hunger for righteousness, uh, I think, a desire to be right with God. It's, you know, it's like we are spiritual foodies, always looking for that perfect dish, but never quite finding it. The Apostle Paul nails it when he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are actually in the same boat, craving righteousness, but all of us being unable to attain it on our own. That is our natural desire without Jesus. Now here comes he, here comes Jesus, stepping into this mess, and he does something incredible. He takes our sin on himself when he dies on the cross. And Paul puts it beautifully. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. Because of Jesus, Do you realize that you are the righteousness of God yeah I know many of us don't because if you realize that that you then you know that your life has a has a meaning now there's a purpose behind it you are not just existing anymore you're living a purposeful life and the divine transaction is this our sins go to Jesus and his righteousness comes to us Now, we are getting to the point where all the previous points converge. Jesus being essential for life and claiming to be God, give him the authority to offer us this transaction. You know, his invitation to come and believe is how we accept this offer. And when we do, we find that the hunger and thirst for righteousness we talked about is finally and fully satisfied. Now, I want you to understand that This is not just a one-time deal. It's an ongoing relationship. John in one of his letters says that "I I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Once you've accepted this divine transaction, it's a game changer. It affects how you live today and secures your tomorrow. Now the question arises, why does this transaction matter? Well, It's the only way that our deep hunger and thirst for righteousness can be satisfied. And we all have that craving. And it doesn't just change your status, it changes your life. You move from existing to truly living, both now and forever. All right, so we've covered a lot of ground, so I think it's time to bring it all home. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's not just a snappy one-liner he's making some serious claims and he is extending an irresistible offer so let's try to wrap this up jesus is saying that he is essential for life he is claiming to be god in the flesh and he is inviting us to come and believe believe and he offers to fulfill our hunger and thirst for righteousness and he offers a divine transaction that changes everything and that that is a whole meal deal not just some spiritual appetizer You know, we live in a world that is is constantly pushing the next thing, the next big thing, whether it's the latest tech gadget or the newest diet trend or the hottest Netflix show. But here's the deal. None of these can truly satisfy us. After you watch a series, yeah, you might feel empty because it was so good. But after two weeks or three weeks, you're looking for the next one. And that's how these things work. They are not meant to fulfill us. But here's the deal. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, there's something profound. We read there that God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the human heart. So we are wired for something eternal. We are wired to long for something eternal, to long for God but the only one who can fulfill that void is jesus who is the bread of life and paul puts it you know so good he says in philippians 1:21 for to me to live is christ and to die is gain once you've tasted the bread of life everything changes you don't want to go back anymore your perspective on life your actions your priorities everything gets rearranged around this life-giving, soul-satisfying relationship with Jesus. And so, the next time you're making a sandwich or you know, tearing into a warm piece of sourdough, let it be a reminder. The only bread that truly satisfies is Jesus. And he's not just a quick spiritual snack, he's the full-course meal that satisfies eternally. And that, my friends, is food for thought that never expires. So I want to ask you, not to settle for the fast food of this world when we can feast on the bread of life. And it's an invitation to a life that is not just good for a moment, but good for eternity. And if you ask me, that's an offer too good to pass. So if you haven't yet, I ask you to take it. And if you did, well, then just appreciate it as much as you can. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your grace, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life. Thank you that in you there was life. And thank you that you offer that life to us. Thank you that you extend an invitation to step into this light, to step into a new kind of living. And thank you that you fulfill our deepest longings and needs. We are just so thankful for who you are. We love you so much. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today if your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com better yet we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand we look forward to welcoming you